0: Welcome to the Clash Act podcast, but first we're going to take a word from our sponsors, Morrissey Motors. Hello, Martin here from Morrissey Motors, Peugeot Kilkenny. We have the full range of environmentally friendly award-winning vehicles in petrol, diesel, hybrid and electric. Our 208, 3008 and 508 have all won car of the year. Our 5008 seven-seater has won SUV of the year. And not forgetting Ireland's best-selling commercial, the award-winning partner
1: van. That's five in a row, Martin. It is, Brian. That's impressive. That's impressive. Contact the lads in Morrissey Motors, Walford Old Kilkenny, today. And you're very welcome to this week's edition of the Clash Act
0: podcast with myself, Eddie Scally, in the hot seat, as always. And I'm really, really thrilled to be joined by... It's it's thrown around a lot, you hear people saying legends and the whole lot, but I am genuinely sitting across from a, an absolute legend of, of hurling and a legend of sport in Ireland, Mr Eddie Kerr. Eddie, thanks a million for joining me this evening.
1: It's a pleasure, Eddie. Thank you for asking me.
0: Uh, Eddie kind of we'll dive straight into it i suppose like these are really tough times for everybody with covid um you know for you yourself you know you're you're living i presume you're still living in innishdee and yeah. and what how how have you found the last kind of 12 months the last 18 months how have you found it yourself
1: Not too bad, Eddie. Now, it was tough, uh, I have to say, but uh, we're lucky, I suppose, we're in a rural area. We have a big garden at home, and you can walk around, and then we have Woodstock near us for walking. Uh, So during, now it's obviously getting much better now, but during the tough times, uh, we were... Very busy in the garden where uh, we sort of restored it to what it was one time, it had gone fairly wild. But, um, and then as I said, Woodstock, but you'd missed the uh, association with friends and the, the old golf and all that sort of stuff, and and obviously the matches, you know. But uh, hopefully, we're on the right side of it now.
0: Is it a time like that that you'd nearly when these things happen you kind of reevaluate everything you look at you know what you were doing and maybe thinking was I wasting loads of time here or, you know do you know that type of where you, you know have you found new passions say for you know in, in different things that you've done over the last couple of months is there stuff that you've said jeez I probably should have focused more on that in the last <laughs> number of years you know
1: well I suppose I, I got a bit better on the technology anyway and, and operating computers and televisions and music and all that sort of stuff you know Um, um then I'm Love music as well as the games and I, I'm in the choirs at home and that, and we missed that as well but uh, I was able to listen to a lot more music, and you know from that point of view it kept things going for us
0: and yeah. you know when when we started to open back up one of the one of the things that I noticed and it was it was something when i when I went abroad when I traveled, and I remember my parents always said to me the g a they're with you everywhere you go. It's you know we're a big family and we just go across the world. But one of the things I loved was was seeing GEA clubs, you know, becoming the heart of a community again. You know, things like people getting groceries delivered to their houses, stuff. You know, where the whole focal point of everything in the village was was brought back to the GEA again.
1: Absolutely, and I think I think it was always there, Eddie. But I think the point you're making is that. It surfaced. People realised what the GA clubs were doing for the community, and particularly with the looking after the older people in the communities and delivering uh, food and everything, you know. But that was always the heart of the GA. The the GA club was the heart of the community in all sorts of ways, and and but it was able to ex- express itself more, I suppose, during the COVID.
0: And an All Ireland final in front of an empty Crow Park in in December how how, how did that feel?
1: Oh, it didn't feel great. Now you know um, uh, you'd sort of miss the buzz and you'd miss the crowds and uh, even the build up. Like everything was sort of rushed. Even at the moment, like uh, I know we'd probably be talking about the current situation, but everything is coming so quickly. Whereas there was always a gap that you could savor the last match and maybe build up to the next match. But that isn't there. It wasn't there uh, for last year and it's not there this year. But hopefully we're getting back to the right side of things. And, like,
0: <clears throat> would it make a huge difference? I, I, I'm kind of, in my own head, I'm wondering, I've never played in an All-Ireland final. You've played in many All-Ireland finals. But would would playing in an empty stadium make a huge difference to the players in comparison? Like, I, I don't even know how to word it, but <clears throat> do, 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 do you play nearly harder in front of a massive audience driving you on? Or do you think... I don't mean to take away from last year's All-Ireland yeah. Final, but it, it, it didn't feel the same watching it. The, the, I don't know how, how no, even... Well, the the crowd in.
1: definitely, Eddie, makes a difference. You know, um, you know, even... I know the the players will tell you that have run out in Croke Park on All-Ireland Day and to hear the buzz of the crowd and the atmosphere, you know, that inspired hurlers uh, to give of their very best. Now some some players weren't able to cope with it, you know, there's there's a balance there. But overall, and particularly then in the middle of a game, if a team starts coming back, you know, if you if you're behind and start coming back, the crowd behind you gives you a great lift, you know, and and spurs you on to greater things. Kind of just gives you that little bit of a jolt when yeah, you when you see yeah, it coming,
0: yeah and, and for yourself, Eddie, you know growing up, I'm gonna take you back to when you were a, a young man and, and someone handed you a, a lump of wood and said, here hit hit a ball with this, and see how you get on like when you think back to then like can you remember you know what was the start of it was it basically everybody in the village was playing hurling, so you picked up the hurling and played, or how how did it start for you?
1: well, it was. Simple, really. I suppose at three or four. I remember um, we lived uh, beside a family, uh, and there was three brothers, Ryan brothers, um, Michael, Jim, and Ali. And their father, I think, hur- uh, hurling wasn't great tradition in Inisti, uh, you know, uh, before that era, I would say. But um, their father was big into hurling, and he had them hurling and, and our backyard. Joined theirs and I could hear this racket going on with uh, and, um, fellas hitting you know with sticks, whatever they were and eventually I got to join them and then f- some of the lads around the the square and in the stieg, I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. the square and in the stieg. that was our Croke Park as we were young young guys And then we used to go out there, and you know there was Pat Hogan, David Dewar, what he call it, and you know all all these guys joining us then, and we used to have great games there. And I also remember uh, when I started off, uh, because there was no coaching, formal coaching at the time. uh, When I was maybe three or four, I was holding the hurley wrong, you know, from uh, for right-handed player, I was sitting holding it like a hockey stick or a golf stick and I remember you talk about the older guys, There's a father Michael Noonan who was up in uh, Port Arlington at the moment um, and Jimmy Phelan they used to come along and say no you're, hur- you're holding the hurley the wrong way you should have your right hand on top and we tried that and we couldn't manage it and when they were gone we'd changed back but eventually we got used to it so that was sort of very early positive coaching for young players that the older guys were doing so we had great games out on the square for years and years until we then went going to school um, we had Martin Welch as was our teacher and there was great work done in the schools league that time which was, there was just the under 14 that time and there was a number of uh, teachers doing great work, there was Pallor Laughlin, Thomas Down, McMoore and Greg Namana and we used to have games uh, against one another and, and then uh, obviously take part in the uh, county championships you know under 14
0: And when you were, when you were 12 or 13 I've, I have a 12 year old boy at home and I'd often hear him in the garden he'd be playing with his friends when he catches the ball and turns right and you'd hear him he'd be, he's TJ Reid you know yeah, he's, yeah. he's letting go and, and you'd hear the other young lads in they're Kyle Hayes or their Keith uh, Lynch's who, who were you in your, in, your, in your backyard at that age do you, do you remember well, who was the hurlers that were the star for you?
1: I remember when we used to go out in the square, there was a row you know, I'm so-and-so. I always wanted to be Jim Langton. That was my hero at the time. So uh, once everyone agreed who was who, <laughs> but I was Jim Langton anyway. Some guys would be Christy Ring, some guys would be Jack Mulcahy, you know, of they would have been the 1947 All-Ireland winning team, Paddy Grace, you know, uh, Terry Loughey. That gang uh, of players—they were the ones we would have looked up to—and then,
0: kind of at thirteen or fourteen, you, you, you go from Inishdew into Saint Karen's College, mm. which you know now today it's 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 just seen as a, I suppose it's 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 the trinity of hurling. You know, every it it seems to be producing hurlers after hurlers. But but back when you started in 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 Saint Karen's College, it's something that I've I've read many times was the influence of of, of Father Marr in school. C- can you ex- can you give me a little bit of, 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 of how that worked or what way it was in school? I know he was a maths teacher for you as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, the first my first year in Cairns, the hurling had gone down very much for the couple of years before that. And I remember um, someone saying to me that there's a, a priest coming next year who very good at coaching hurling. He's done great work in Dublin. Um, with um, what was a club in Dublin, in Crumlin? Uh, the Ackle and Bernie Bootman played with them anyway. But he was coming back to St. Kieran's anyway. And that was my first experience with Father Tommy Marr. He, he came in in my second year. Now, uh, people won't realise it now, or younger people won't realise it, but he revolutionised the whole game of hurling, the way to be played. Uh, Things that are done normally now, like um, examining all the skills of the game, he had those all documented. He had ways developed, like uh, routines and stuff, to develop all those skills. And he had analysed, you know, and then when we were playing later on, he'd analysed the opposition and, um, you know, tell us how to play. And uh, it is something that maybe is taken for granted. But before that, I just turned back the page a little bit. There was very little of that. People just went out. Training consisted of backs and forwards and a couple of rounds of the field. And that was it, you know. But he had every skill and and he had the... The routines developed to to try and perfect those skills, and when I went into Kearns, then I came under his influence, obviously. And he had methods for free taking and line uh, sideline pokes and all that developed, and um, he was able to impart those. He was a great communicator and a great inspiration as well. He 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 was a great he he was great for inspiring players before a game, but. He, I suppose his um, he he was able to uh, isolate various skills that would work against a particular team. You know, I remember now um, when in my time then we we came along and won the uh, we won the Leinster. I played junior first and senior actually, and I think in my second year and uh, were beaten as senior, but the third year, uh, which was nineteen fifty seven was the first year that the All-Ireland colleges was revived I think it had brought, uh, stopped for a number of years before that but um, uh, he he brought us along, developed a team and we won Leinster and went on to win that All-Ireland in 57. But I remember the preparation for that um, uh, there was a uh, I suppose I had a bit of speed in those days, but I remember after training, uh, he getting myself, uh, when all the lads were gone in, and Dick Dowling from then Moore, who played full forward, and after they were all gone in, he had me getting the ball, I played left half forward, out sort of, Fifty yards, solo in the left wing, and hand passing into Dick Dowling. Now, he hand passing was a thing he he advocated in a big way that wasn't so much in the game before that, and we did that hundreds and hundreds of times. And actually, when it came to the All Ireland it just happened automatically. I got a ball at a vital stage. We were well down in the game and at a vital stage, I got the ball and this thing sort of plugged in, in on a sole run, hand pass to Dick Dowling, back of the net and that was something we had, um, he had prepared for us. Uh, and uh, uh, So that was the sort of thing he did, you know. So uh, a major influence in my life and then, of course, Paddy Grace, the well-known county secretary at the time, knew how good he was at organising teams and he, he got him to coach the Kilkenny team at the time and got them to win an all Ireland. There was a big, I suppose, break in Kilkenny's success from '57. Uh, from 47. They hadn't won anything. And in 57, he got to grips with that team and developed them into an all ireland winning team in 57. Um, like um,
0: it's 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 sometimes I, I remember being told a long time ago a coach won't win you a game but he he could lose you one um, but and I think it's a little bit hard on a coach when yeah. you say something like that but f- it's it's just two of the p- points that you've made you know like people take for granted so much now mm. like when you go down to the field whether it's in Innistig, or it's in yeah. Gorn or Scott yeah. Faustin, or, or any club you see. You know, so many drills are laid out, and so mm. many stuff. And the G A themselves have tried to implement it that the mm. kids get the foundation level training mm. from a very young age, and and we build on it. But yeah. this 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 man, Father Father Mar, yeah he was you know There's thirty forty of years like, at all of these people. Yeah,
1: you take a lot of the drills that are being done now were his invention, if you like, at the time. You know, like uh, as you said, Eddie, they're taken for granted now. But if you twist back the clock. They were, they were initiated by Father Tommy Marr at the time. And I remember um, watching, I remember we, I was on the minor team in '57, and um, I remember we were in Nolan Park, we weren't, the seniors were training, and they were down in the corner of the field. And the selectors at the time were laughing. He's down there showing them how to hand pass a ball. Now they were saying, "What the hell is this all about you know <laughs> uh, and uh, he was very really keen on the hand pass obviously as a as a ploy when you're stuck like you know when you're being marked closely or whatever and and he was Again, the first, if you like, to develop that that skill in the game, the, the proper use of the hand pass.
0: No, it's it's it, like it, when I was looking in and kind of doing a bit of reading up and studying mm. and looking mm. back, it was the name that cropped up a lot, and I was I was thrilled to read that he was he's from Gorn originally. Yeah. Um. So obviously Gorn has continued oh, yeah. to produce uh, greats. So it, it yes. is nice, and obviously. DJ, and Charlie, Pat and the rest yeah, of them are keeping uh, the tradition going there. But yeah. I just mm. I just want to touch on, on something and we go off Father Mar for a few minutes because yeah. obviously he's he's had a massive influence in, in your mm. whole career. But mm. just just when you mentioned the minors, um you were in with the Kilkenny minor team. You had four years, I think, four four seasons at minor for Kilkenny
1: Yeah, I I, I was a sub on i would say the first, <coughs> the first, first year, year yeah. 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 I got a Leinster medal that year but beaten in the All Ireland. Uh, so I had three years then, and beaten in all. Well, beaten in uh, uh, in the semi final in fifty eight, and beaten in fifty seven in the final, and fifty nine in the final. So um, I, I came out of it all without without a, a minor medal, um, which is a pity. But they were all close; like we could have won any of them, you know. But
0: just just on the on the on the minor thing, it's just because I'll, I'll jump off and we'll come <laughs> back to it. But it's just one of the things that. It's 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 a it's something I can't get my head around. I I was lucky enough to go to the this year's minor all Ireland final, which was last year's minor all Ireland final played this year between Galway and Kilkenny, and it was a brilliant game, like it really was. And I I was watching the game, and afterwards I was with Adrian Rowan watching it, and we 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 chatted through the game, and I and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good battle, and two teams, and either team could have won. It was Kilkenny were unlucky to come out on the wrong side of it. I think Galway probably deserved on the edge but on the way home I rang one of my friends, and I just said to him. Did you watch the game on, on TG Car? And he said I didn't. I said it was. I said that's the best minor match I've seen in a few years. And uh, he said yeah. He said because they're all a year older. He said they're they're eighteen. He said you're you're watching now seventeen year olds in minor grades, right? And and I just wonder. It was kind of it's two sides of it. Number one is you were allowed to play minor at at fourteen or fifteen for Kilkenny. Mm. And the, the, to me now you're not allowed to if you know regardless of whether you're good enough you're just not allowed to play it that great and the second question I'd ask is have we made a little bit of a mistake taking the minor from under 18 to under 17 or or, or, you know is that something that the GEA should maybe look at
1: I think they have to look at it Eddie I think it was a stupid move now to be honest you know um, uh, there's an awful difference like between 17 and 18 year olds and as well as that the under 21 under 20 like I don't know what they were thinking of but um
2: uh, I I
1: would love to see it, and I think I hope that enough people will talk about it that they will revert back to minors under eighteen and under twenty one. It was a far better set up for and and for the development of young people. I know you said I played younger. I suppose I was a bit bigger and a bit faster at the time or whatever. But and maybe there there wasn't enough comp- uh, as much competition as there is now. But. Um, I still think like that. It's much better to have um, the level at under eighteen.
0: At under eighteen, you, you, yeah, you, you can see the, the, the differences oh, in them games. Yeah. And yeah. like I know, some people will probably listen to this and they'll think that the two of us are mad, saying that there's a massive difference mm. in seventeen mm. and eighteen. But mm. from an actual physical development, there is a, there is a there huge is. difference. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. In in, in your last minor All Ireland final, I know it's 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 probably. Everyone tells me. Any really successful sports star tells me you always remember the defeats better than the wins. You know, so I'm sure it's 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 something that pains you that you don't have a, a minor All Ireland medal with Kilkenny.
1: Yeah, um, um, I know it was uh, the old enemy tip, um, where I have some good friends still in that from that team, but. Um, tip beat as a, a goal in the last minute, you know, we were, we're leading and I, I know the thing that I remember most about it is that we were leading, I think we're leading by possibly five, four or five points, but um, there was a, a sideline ball which should have been a Kilkenny one that that was awarded to Tipperary and I knew the the umpire in later life and I, 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 I reminded him about it several times um, but he was a Dublin man but um, the, the sideline ball went was given to Tipperary and it went in and it ended up as a goal which won the game for them and that sort of thing sticks in your mind but look you move on like uh, after that match then I was very lucky to have been brought on the panel for as, as you probably know Eddie the senior game that Day was a draw between Kilkenny and Watford, fifty nine, and the replay was on the fourth of October. And uh, when, uh, back in training, I was asked to come into training with the seniors. And ha- like, I
0: I, 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 I did notice, and I, and, I, and it was the first thing that struck me was right. The full time whistle goes in the minor all Ireland final. You're devastated. You go out, then you watch the senior all Ireland final. The game's ending in a draw, but you're watching. You're the people that you're really looking up to, the guys that you could only dream that someday that'll be me, and then you find out in the next day or two that someday is now, and 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 you're calling to go and train with the the, the senior team to get ready for an All Ireland final. Can you can you remember what that was? <laughs> I like?
1: I sure do. Uh, like I remember um, Paddy Grace getting on to me, uh, you know, to come into training. I couldn't believe it, and and that. Ollie Welsh would collect me. Ollie was <coughs> in Thomastown, and I mean Ollie Welsh was the big hero at the time, um, uh, and he was going to collect me, and I was brought into the senior dressing room and seen all these lads, you know, Ollie Welsh, Sean Clossy was my big hero because, and I, I, I used to say to myself, you know, when I was playing minor and watching. Maybe when Sean Clossey retires, I might get his place. That was my dream at the time. But I never thought that I'd be actually playing with him and played with him until 1963 when he retired. But it was a big thing to come in, and I was obviously in awe of all these guys, you know, at the time, you know, Paddy Buggy, Johnny McGovern. You know, all those names were ringing in my head. And here I was. Uh, sitting in the dressing room with him
0: and Father Tommy was involved
1: he was with yeah. the
0: team as well so that obviously for you it must have been great to have him there I, I suppose he would have had a, a comforting arm around your shoulder to keep oh. you on, on on a straight and narrow and keep you uh, going right
1: absolutely you know And uh, he was always great rewards and encouragement I remember before that final that replay uh, in 59 um there was doubt. About Johnny McGovern was injured in the in the drawn match, and there was doubt about whether he'd be fit. And uh, it was decided to start him, which they did. But Father Mar came to me during the week and said, uh, "We don't know whether Johnny McGovern will last the game, but if he's injured, you are going to be coming in, so be ready for it, you know." So, and and you know, he encouraged me then up to the match
0: and, and, and on the day of the match you didn't get to, to sit on your bum for too long I think he he came off injured after 10 or 12 minutes wasn't yeah,
1: it yeah yeah and and here I was in an all-Ireland senior final <laughs> uh, yeah it was it was, um, it was uh, you know one of these experiences you know that that obviously I live with you I, I can't remember I remember I did get to score two points I think in the second half but it took me a while to tune into what was happening all around me you know and I hadn't played really with the, I had played uh, two matches before actually uh, in the meantime there was a Welsh Cup match against Dublin and there was a I'm not sure if it was a Welsh Cup or, or Octus against Wexford they were between the draw yeah. match and the final so I did get to play with the lads but um you know father mar's influence was beginning to I, I was used to playing with his coaching teams in Kearn's College, and the the senior team were beginning to get into that mode. So I was able to work with them very very nicely.
0: But like Eddie, the, the, the three things I'd ask, you know, in that game, right? You've played in the minor all Ireland final a couple of weeks beforehand. As anyone knows that's been to an all Ireland final, the last maybe ten minutes of a minor all Ireland final, Crow Park is starting to fill up, but it's not full. It's mm. it's it's only starting, and I'm sure that was the same back then. That the, the the speed and sheer physicality of a senior All-Ireland final in comparison to a minor All-Ireland final and and, and I know the rock this game and the Walsh Cup games there's no way on earth the intensity is going to be anything like it like mm. I mean the first couple of balls that was put into it I mean the belts must have been it must It must have been fairly harrowing like
1: Well I suppose it was a different game and that so was probably more physical but it's uh, funny I don't remember you know getting any belts or anything like that you know in a match you don't but um i was probably fairly for my age i was probably big at the time physically and i had great speed at the time which which um stood to me you know and you know i was um uh, when i my skill level was very high you know and i i found it nice to, when i touched the ball with the hurdle to get it into my hand so uh, you know um I wasn't in awe of the occasion. I don't think so, Uh, you know. uh, It was a wonderful honour. But, uh, you know, once I got into it, then this is a match we had to try and win. But as you know, we were beaten in that as well.
0: Yeah, but it's it's still, you know, because people... I think sometimes people see what the finished product and to see what happened and and I and I just think it's when when I read about that and it kind of because when I spoke to some people and I was talking to different lads and I was saying I was delighted I was going to get to sit down and have a chat with him. There was a really good friend of mine, uh, Michael Murphy, in Wexford. He used to teach down in Flannels and Ennis, and he was he was in uh, Dallas De, um, Allen Water for teaching as well an absolute gentleman and he said to me oh Eddie Kerr and Michael now is of a certain vintage and he said my favourite hurler of all time you know bar none and Mm. he started saying to me about different things but the biggest one for him was you know how quickly you were able to adapt from playing at minor to just seamlessly falling into a Kilkenny senior hurling team but what I wanted to know was the the foundation there was loads of work put into creating this it wasn't something that just happened overnight but Mm. we'll skip on a couple of years Eddie um, you know, obviously Father Mars had a a huge bearing with Kilkenny Hurland. The Kilkenny Hurland team is starting to really start to thrive and to mm-hmm. kick on. You picked up six All Ireland medals um on the field of play with Kilkenny. Mm-hmm. You know, without going into any specifics and saying to you, oh, this one or that one, mm-hmm. like was there games for you that, that stood out? You know, there's 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 games there where you've thrown up on merciful scores. I think Nicky English only beat your record for the most scores in an All Ireland final maybe 20 years ago mm. I think that's yeah. I think you got two eleven or something does that sound right? Uh,
1: I think I got two eleven. I think he got two twelve. yeah really? something you along them line lines that. You, a know, a you didn't beat by much, much now you
0: know but yeah. like is it a game like that, that that stands out to you as a game that you'll never forget or was there any certain games that you can tell me that's saying you know that game or this game
1: uh, it's, it's very hard Eddie you know I think you mentioned earlier that the games you were beaten sometimes you remember more about them but there's just little snapshots in these games you know I, I think I was a quality I suppose I had to some degree was uh, being able to focus on what was ahead I was always looking forward you know Uh, to this game we're going to play and we're going to have to win this, you know. And if you won or were beaten, it was the next game. You didn't start to dwell on what happened. It's only when you retire and everything and things start coming up, like scoring records and all that sort of stuff, it's only much later that they come into play. But it was all about playing the game and trying to win it and see what we did wrong the day we were beaten. And 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 how can we correct that? And how can we win the next game? So, but as regards games, um, um, I I I I you know I do remember snapshots, I suppose, of various games. But um, sometimes you are asked what's the you know what's the All Ireland you favour mo- most, and it's very hard to do that. But the first one for me was sixty three against Waterford, and I do remember a lot of aspects of that. Uh, and then um, for the Roar in the League, won the county championship in 1968 which was a big thing it's the one and only senior championship but that resulted uh, in that I was had the honour of being captain for Kilkenny in 69 which we won and, and that stands out obviously to be have the honour of captaining a Kilkenny team to a winning uh, All-Ireland I, and I suppose the, the game that was probably the most uh the game that had everything I suppose uh, was the nineteen seventy two All Ireland when we beat Cork as it happens, uh, having been down eight or nine points with fifteen minutes to go or something like that. Uh, and a great comeback from Kilkenny. So they're they're the games that sort of stand out for me.
2: And
0: I, I, I definitely hope you don't take this the wrong way now because <laughs> I, I one of the one of the things that we were when we when we were we were discussing yeah at at length was it was said to me that Eddie Eddie Kerr's ability to not get overly emotional in games. Now you you know as in he didn't go you know there was no fist pumps up to the crowd mm. there was no it was it was a solid focus it was it was a talent that you had Now not many you know players can do that yeah. but it was one of the things that it was it was said to me was that you know like, literally. That you you know in a game you didn't allow the game to kind of overtake you 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 played the game was that something that you had to train at is it something that people have said to you in the past or is it something you knew about yourself
1: yeah I, I maybe it's just just the way i made up you know but I I had a good ability to focus you know and as as I think I might have referred to earlier it was always the next ball or the next score or the next match I was always able to look forward. And if you got a score,
2: uh,
1: it's now, when is the next one coming sort of thing, you know. So I was all, always looking forward, I suppose, to the next part of it, you know. So I think I was, it's just part of my makeup rather than something that was developed. I've I
0: seen a photograph of you. Um, I didn't see a huge amount of context to the photograph, but I'm flicking through the archives and there's a photograph of Muhammad Ali and it looks like I don't know. Are you showing him how to solo the ball? Or are you showing. Them, but it's definitely yourself and, 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 and Muhammad Ali standing with a hurl and a slither. And, and I just wondered, how did that happen? Or, you know, I'm sure he wasn't well, down in League playing no, hurling. Like,
1: no. Well, that's a, a lovely story, actually. Um, I know I've told it a number of times, but um, Muhammad Ali was my hero on the boxing world. My father was big into boxing and he used to get me up at. At that time, boxing matches were on a crackly radio from America at maybe three in the morning. And he used to get me up and we used to, going back to Jack Dempsey, Joe Lewis and stuff, and the next thing, Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay, as he was originally, uh, came on the scene and as a young boxer beat Sonny Liston uh, for the world championship. So he was my hero in the boxing world. But um, I was was, uh, getting back to the meeting with him Uh, I I was working in AIB and I was in Dublin at the time and uh, Raymond Smith was a reporter with the Irish Independent at the time and I'd say he was trying to get a different angle. We were actually going to be in the All-Ireland, that was 1972 and Muhammad Ali was boxing Al Blue Lewis in Croke Park in between, we'll say, the semi-final and the All-Ireland final and it it was a huge thing but I think Ticket sales weren't going so well for the for the thing and not that I was going to influence that, but he was looking for a new angle and the fact that we were in the Iron Final he rang me up. Actually he didn't he rang the the bank PR PRO officer, um Bob Ryan, uh, to know would he get me to go out to where um Muhammad Ali was uh, um training, his training place which was the Opera Man Hotel, um and um, God I couldn't believe you know I was being asked to do this so I, I went out anyway uh, couldn't wait to go out when, what, whatever day it was and I went up uh, into the hotel and you uh, know you can imagine me meeting my hero but uh, I was told he was out jogging at the time he was training for the match but uh, I had a I was speaking with his famous trainer the name just escapes me at the moment I know it well but um, he 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 was very interested in the game of hurling we'll say he had seen it but the next thing the great man himself arrived in and uh, you know he, I was introduced to him and told that I was played hurling you know and he looked at me in, the, in my face and he said uh, you play hurling he said I've seen that on television, he said that's a very tough game, he said you have no marks up or anything you know, and I was thinking of him getting in with Sonny Liston uh, or whatever, but remember he used to he used to always say, look I'm pretty I have no marks on me, you know, but he was (laughs) obviously used to look for marks on on people's faces but um, then we were, he was we had a lovely chat with him, he was a different guy altogether than the television uh, vision of him if you like you know the the way he used to carry on and we had lovely quiet chat in the bar uh, area at that stage so then they came along Raymond Smith came along to go out to meet the press and do the photographs and that and I was supposed to show him how to play hurling and try to get him to rise a ball and solo and you know hit the ball and he was using it like a tennis racket then he couldn't manage it but um. Uh, he he came up close to me at one stage. He said, "Put on a show for these guys, the press," and and then he started fencing with me with the hurl and started trying to hit me on the head with it. And I was minding myself. So that was the experience. But it was a, it was a wonderful experience that yeah. I'll never forget.
0: Like when you said at the stage, the stage, I know, a stage is probably the wrong word, but the, the the public vision of Muhammad Ali was a very kind of cocky type, yeah. of, nearly arrogant, and yeah. he'd do that, but. The real version of Muhammad Ali, in your experience, was a, was a very different kind of, very nice human person.
1: Yeah, very nice human person, very interested and very interested in, you know, in in the game of hurling, you know, from as long as we had to talk about it. Um, but a very ordinary fellow, just laid, sat back in the chair and just chatted like any fellow would chat until we got out to the press and then he he, <laughs> he, he was on. on his stage then and he took
2: <laughs> off yeah.
0: and Eddie just with your own inter-county hurling career um, like you, you hurled with Kilkenny like I mean I, I was looking at it today you had 50 appearances for Kilkenny Um 35 goals and 336 points. It kind of, when you when you read something like that, it's you know, I was looking, I had to check about 50 times to see was that incorrect or was there a mistake mm-hmm. somewhere. It's a there's a lot of scores uh, squeezed into a career there, but that's
1: championship, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's, I've obviously left out a lot of scores too, though, but it's championship appearances, then um, you know. But it, it, on, on the stats that I have, it's, it, it's telling me career kind of spans 1959 to 1977. Um, it's it's something I I've asked every player that sat in front of me for this, and that's the final year of 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 your career, and mm. as in with senior inter county team. You know how did that year pan out? You know, did 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 you know it was time? Did the injury tell you it was time? Did a manager tell you it was time? How did how did your final year?
1: Well. um we had a great run in, in, the, <coughs> in the 70s, uh, you know, obviously from, you know, from, a, I think that team I was fortunate to play with were a magnificent team. We had a great run, like could have possibly done four in a row, but um, 75 was the last final we won. And we had great battles with Wexford all during that time uh, for Leinster finals and we scraped through a few times and there was a couple of replays and all the rest. But then in '76, they were certainly uh, on top of us, you know, and and won the Leinster final. Well, uh, our team was probably gone past its best anyway. And in '77, it was more or less the same. But one thing that I remember about '77, they beat us in '77. But I remember getting a ball. We were um, we were uh, two points down, I think. A couple of minutes to go and I got a ball about 30 yards out and we needed a goal I sold it in for a goal and normally if I was in that position I wouldn't be caught for speed but I remember one of the Wexford fellas, I think it was Martin Casey was on my back and I couldn't shake free and I said I've lost my dash of speed Uh, and I I could only half hit the ball. I went over the bar, but I was looking for a goal. But I, I sort of felt that time. Uh, I think my uh, pace was gone, you know. And and you know, maybe it's time to call it a day. Uh, but then I went on playing club, of course, for a long good number of years after that.
0: And was it was it a really hard thing to do to, to to call time on your career, or you know, like from a from a selfish perspective? You can stay on. I'm sure uh, somebody with your status would have been mm. happily kept in a dressing room in Kilkenny for mm. as as long as he continued. I'd say up to a point. Someone would say right out, but but do you know what I mean. I think like for you yourself, did it leave a huge void in your life, or was it something that you said, look, that's the past now, and I, you know, it's time to look to the next next task or the next step.
1: Yeah, it uh, it did obviously, but I was always one to find things to. Fill up the space, you know, in life, in all aspects of my life. You know, I never felt um, at a loose end for anything. I was involved in more organisations and everything like that over the years, um, so uh, it did leave a bit of a gap. But it was sort of at the end of the year, of the hurling year, anyway. Uh, we were involved with the club in the county championship uh, that year, and we had a. I remember in the, in the semi final, we had three tough games with with Mokalee in the semi-final uh, and barely won the third game and then we played in a county final and that's when I really felt tired and and I suppose that's uh, I remember um, the roaring streak we had a selector Dick Bulger and Kilkenny after that final Kilkenny were going to be playing in the league I think the following Sunday, there used to be league matches that, that time before Christmas. I think about three matches before Christmas, and Dick came to me and said, um, "Are you okay for next Sunday?" And I, I said to Dick, uh, "I think I can't go on, you know, uh, for another year." So that that was when I finally made the decision. The decision, I suppose.
0: And I I don't know what it was like then. Then Eddie, you know, I'm I, I, like I I wonder, you know, you see you see players nowadays when they retire but I suppose it's the way the modern era has gone with social media and everything else the player now uh, I know Joe brolly does be at pains about it sometimes he thinks that you should just stop and 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 move on but obviously nowadays players put out press releases that they're retiring and there's there's great fanfare and there's you know this type of thing was there that type of commotion with, you, with your own retirement that uh, you know when, when it was I'm sure it was officially announced it was going to be big news that Eddie Carr wasn't coming back
1: yeah, I suppose for the times we were in it, it was, you know, it sort of took me unawares. There's a lot of press coverage and stuff, and I was asked to go on the Late Late Show on a few things, which was the big TV programme at the time. You know, there's a few things like that that uh, I suppose were big at the time. They wouldn't be that big now. The
0: Late Late Show still would be, any Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you go on it?
1: I did, yeah, I did. Gay Byrne obviously, was the presenter in those days, yeah, I did.
0: And like, that must have been pretty much unheard of at the time for Hurler's uh, retiring, so we're going to bring him on The Late Late Show. I mean, <laughs> when you look at the list of stuff that's happened on The Late Late Show.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. Well, it was a, a big honour, obviously. You know, I mean, The Late Late Show, as you said, was the big TV pr- show at the time, and uh, it was a big honour to be asked to go on that. But, uh, you know, I always felt um, in anything I was doing that way that it was a promotion of the game of hurling, which was a bit ignored at the time by RTE, you know, both at radio and television, didn't get the promotion uh, that, you know, that it does now, or you hadn't local radio stations or whatever. Uh, So there wasn't very many outlets. So uh, the fact that um, a GA player would command a place on the Late Late Show, I felt that maybe this is good for the GA as well, you know.
0: Kind of massive ambassadorial role that like you're coming in there to, yeah, to promote our yeah. games, but probably looking at it now, you know, we're it is it is a, in a much better place for the men's side of the game. Yes, but the, the the ladies' side of the game or, or camogie side of the game, the ladies' football, mm. they need to now probably get the same level of push, do they?
1: They do, but it's coming very good now at the moment. There's great promotion and great reporting. Um, on both radio, television and the newspapers uh, for Komogi and for ladies football and I think they're great games in in, in many ways ladies football I think is better than, than the men's football at the moment and Komogi some great Komogi matches too and great players and uh, sometimes I enjoy camogie better than the hurling matches
0: yeah no it is look, look I'd be I'd be a massive fan of, 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 of the camogie anyway but the, the, the ladies football I, I can see you know the Gaelic football matches can be a little bit mm. they can be a little bit dull I think yeah. this year's championship has been a lot better thank God but yeah. for the last number of years it's been quite dull I think Yeah. I, I, I hate saying it but like Dublin they're actually quite dull to watch they're a brilliant team um, but they're, they're, they don't they don't get the hair standing on the back of your neck when they're breaking forward that.
1: No, uh, but I, I think like when you get teams like, if they're playing Kerry now they can be very good. Like I think both those teams go out to play football you know, the way they like to see it playing, and you get good matches and I hope this year that the All-Ireland will be between Kerry and, and Dublin um the whole That's West of Ireland way. there now with Mayo <laughs> people. Yeah, know. I know. I, uh, and my roots are in Mayo, are in Roscommon and Mayo. My father's from Roscommon, actually, and I have relations in Mayo. So I hope you don't send this programme
2: out there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but sure, f- fingers crossed that it might stretch that far. But I, I actually think this year's All-Ireland Football Finals, they're set up to be two great games, the two semi semi-finals, And yeah. I think everybody would love, the purists, would love to see a Kerry-Dublin final. If Dublin are going to lose their throne, Everybody wants carry to carry the it <laughs> off them, but yeah, I yeah. suppose there's lots of people that love to see Mayo. There's none of the oh, four mayo i I'd
1: love to see Mayo. I mean, they've been so in such hard look over the years, uh, and and great footballers, you know, and they just lost out on a few years, which is a shame. But hopefully, like this year, it might be different.
0: Just to take a complete jump away from your own career, Eddie, mm-hmm. and and a, and a glorious one it was. But to take a jump away from it and and, and ask you for your own. You know your own opinions. Um, the, the game of hurling itself. I got a text message off one of my best friends yesterday. We were just chatting about hurling. I'd see the game very differently than he does, but he texted me and said he hoped Limerick didn't win the All Ireland this year because he felt hurling might never recover from Limerick winning the All Ireland because of the style that they play. Um, I don't think he's a fan of wing backs breaking down the field. You know mm. that type of thing. Yeah. But but hurling has become really tactical. Is, is that is that fair to say? it's became. Is it it maybe is too very much? tactical,
1: very tactical, and it's a it's a pity, <coughs> you know, because it was always a sort of a flamboyant sort of game, and uh, you know, uh, people will say I'm from the old style, of course, but uh, I probably preferred the older game. There's tremendous skill and everything in the modern game, and not taken away from it, but some of the tactics, you know, I don't I don't like playing back up the field or. Short passing or that sort of stuff, that part of the present game, you know. But um, that's what we have at the moment, and you know, hopefully a team will come along and change it.
0: But is that that is what it's going to it's going to take? It's going mm. to take a team to come out mm. and drive their puckouts long, their, yeah. their their wing forwards to get up and win the ball and turn around and drive them into the full forward. Mm. You know, and go and win in all Ireland, scoring yeah. five goals. Yeah. But when you look at teams, like say for argument's sake. Uh, Davy Fitz, he kind of introduced the sweeper system. I think originally with Waterford. Mm. Um, now, I spo- at the time, the reasoning behind the reason he do that is, like, I don't know. He didn't tell me this, but I'm I'm sure you see a weakness in your back line and you have to put an extra back back there because the, you're a little bit porous. That's the reason you put a sweeper mm. in. Uh, you know, it, it it makes sense. But f- doing something like that, like when you're sitting and I'm watching a match and you see a team playing with a seventh defender is that something that you'd look at and it's you know that just makes your head want to just explode
1: yeah I never liked that system I think as a sort of a uh, a negative you know you're sort of being beaten before you start because either the opposition forwards are too strong and they have to put someone an extra player back so it's I, I would reckon this is very hard to win a match playing uh, playing that way so um, I would like I I hope a team doesn't win playing that way or everyone they're trying to do it at the moment even in club level and it's terrible to watch so I I hope some team just plays the orthodox way and keeps winning all Ireland's And,
0: and just with Limerick's team at the moment because I think it's I think it's fair to say that Limerick are you know on paper they're probably a little bit ahead mm. of the rest of the curve. Yeah. Yeah. But but their style of play as well. Um, you know, it was it was something I I was widely criticising last year in the sense that I felt that they were they were way ahead of most of the teams they played. But if you remember the Kilkenny team say fifteen years ago when they were flying, they were murdering teams, but they were burying goals, goals, drive mm. it in low to the full mm. forward and get them on mm. it. Limerick were happy to knock over thirty five points. I remember watching one game and I don't think Limerick attempted to score a goal in the game mm-hmm. they were just you yeah. know is, is it a part of the game if Limerick continued to win by just mm-hmm. popping points over the bar and the wall, are we at risk of losing that that style
1: well I think teams will just have to come and counteract that like Limerick uh, um, they play like they work the ball from the full back line actually half back line and they they, they do either of two things then <clears throat> they pop it over the bar from 70 yards from centre field or whatever or the wing backs or else they hit a diagonal ball into the two corner forwards and they they are good, they're out first to the ball and they're very good to pop over the points so you're right Ed, it's points they're scoring mostly, now that doesn't say they can't get goals as well as we found out to our cost you know, the uh, they they can get the goals, but I, it appears that their main focus is winning on points.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> like because I wondered, you know, if you have a team that you're training and you're focusing and pushing everything on points, 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 points. I I wondered what would happen in the day when you're five points down with two minutes to go and all your focus has been on getting points from sixty and seventy yards, and then you realise, oh God! But mm. then in the Tipperary game in the in the Munster final, when Limerick looked like the chips were down. You know, Kyle Hayes caught about a ball at wing back, and 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 drove the length of the field and, and scored a goal. Now I would question where was, where was every temporary defender, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, you know that they, they are capable of doing it. But it's it's just, do you think that the game has been? Now I'm not blaming the Sunday game mm-hmm. for this, right? Mm-hmm. But is the game being over-analysed and what's happening then is managers are then going back looking at all it. There's reams of paper in front of management teams, and they're coming up with like if you were playing today. Mm. there'd be a sweeper put in front of you to stop Mm. the ball going into you you know this type of thing and it's Mm. is the game being just too over analysed and it's just not let them out and play
1: I think so and you have all these boards and you know I I think it might take I think it has to take the spontaneity out of the game uh, to some degree Uh, and you know it's very hard to be critical in a way like Limerick are a very successful team and they they're very very good and will take beating probably this year and maybe for A couple of years to come. But they are a very good team. But I I certainly agree. I don't like the over analysis. But if it starts. Winning games for teams, everyone's going to be at it, you know. But, like, as we saw, the the board is out for the water break and everything, you know. Is, I don't know what goes on on the board that they're showing, but uh, it's there anyway. But uh, I'd hate to play under that, you know, that if so and so gets the ball, you know. I think in our time, and I hate saying that because people say, oh, you're way back in the past. But you start to learn to know when you saw when I saw Pat Henderson getting the ball, I knew what was going to happen, and I was hopefully in the position uh, uh, to pick it up. Then you know, uh, or what he was going to do with the ball, or you knew your own players. But you didn't. No one got on a board and said, "Look, Pat Henderson when you get that ball, now." you hit it diagonally up to me in the corner or whatever. That never happened, you know, but it was done instinctively or, you know, from playing together with... And it's, it's, like, it's,
0: it's, you're at risk of losing that type of thing if, if, yeah. if, if we keep pushing yeah, it, then it becomes push, like yeah. a computer yeah.
1: game. I mean, if you have to think... I always said, if you have to think in hurling your, your bet, you know, it has to you have to play by instinct, really. You know, you don't have time to think at the speed of the game... Uh, what has the trainer told me to do now in this ball game (laughs) you know uh, it has to come uh, naturally naturally just just happen for you just on the water
0: break when you when you you threw it in there like I've yet to meet somebody that thinks that the water breaks are helping the game in any way I I know they were brought in for a COVID reason um, but I've been at Hundreds of matches now, and it's not like if you're thirsty on yeah. the field, we don't say it to you know, three minutes now, and you can get your water break. The water bottles are going in and out, and um, you know, they're they're there, we've them labeled. Yeah. But is it just a nonsense now at this stage? The water break is it just like a, a quarter now, American football?
1: Absolute nonsense. I, I, I mean, like I said, I've seen it as well. Like, I mean, uh, someone gets injured, or coming in you know, with a bottle, and they're giving it to them, or whatever, or they throw it in from the sideline. <coughs> I think. You know, I think it's terrible break up in the momentum of a team, you know, to have this break in the middle. I hope to dispense with that sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, it's... it's like, like I'm, I'm actually confused by it. And I've what I've tried to do, I, like I'm training a team myself, and what I've tried to do a couple of times is when the referee blows the whistle, I don't bring my goalkeeper back in for the water break. If weave the ball, my yeah. goalkeeper knows you stay in that goal. Yeah. When the referee blows the whistle... My team sprint back out and my goalkeeper drives that puck out as quick down the field as he can. So when there's another mm. team on the other side of the field with a tactics board, we're yeah. rifling the ball into the back of the net. Yeah. Now, yeah. I've seen it happening in a club match up the country and the goal stood. When I tried it in Kilkenny, <laughs> the referee blew it and told me I had to wait for the other team to come back out in the ah, field. Boy. But yeah. like it, it is just one minute. Like I mean, what yeah. can you do in one minute? You barely have enough time Stupid. to get off the field, get a drink of water and get back
1: Gone. on. Stupid. I, uh, you know, this. So many things like that have been introduced to hurling that are an irritant, really. You know, and that's certainly one of them.
0: Into the the, the refereeing things, I just because it's it's something I want to go on to before I speak to about this weekend's games. But there, there's been massive controversy. Um, James Owens, fellow I'd know very well, and a, and a lad I've a lot of time for. But the, the penalty decision he gave earlier in the year, you know, to the letter of the law, maybe you know he could have an argument that. You know, it, it was in the if you if you read the law and you take it as black and white, it's it's a penalty. But when you actually look at the decision based on where the foul was committed and the outcome of what that foul was, which was this guy getting sin bin for ten minutes and a and a player coming across and burying a goal and and, and and basically turning the whole game on its head. Like as a rule, you know, can you see where that came about? Was there cynical fouling? Was it that bad that you were watching games and you were thinking we really need to address this. It's it's like wrestling in
1: there. I I don't know. There's a whole big debate about that. I I think that was an awful decision for James Owens yeah. to make. I I, I uh, there was no way. I mean, as far as I know, the rule is if if there's a goal goal on goal opportunity, but there yeah. was no way uh, he could have got through for a goal from that position. You know, with the amount of defenders around, it was an awful decision to make. But but there's, you know, there's a whole lot of aspects. To the game that I, I think um, shouldn't be taken into hurling at all. Like I know I'm <laughs> I'm ploughing old ground now, but I'm totally against the whole thing of cards, even in hurling. Like hurling uh, nowadays, if if you're if you're fouled, if, if you're foul or fouled, if you're fouled, you get a free, and now up to. 100 yards, I'd say, is a point. And that's the penalty. You don't have to show cards for the foul. And if, if, um, we'll say that there's a back, if, 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 if you're marking me, Eddie, and you're consistently fouling me, and I'm throwing over five or six or seven points from the fouls, that's the penalty against you. And it's up to your manager to whip you off or whatever, you know. And I think the whole ritual, of showing cards to players as demeaning, to say the least. You know, um, the cards were introduced, as far as I know, in Soccer World Cup in 1970 because of the difficulty with language, obviously, the communication between the referees, and that made sense. But what sense is it does it make in hurling? Like, uh, a fella gets a, car, a yellow card now, what can he do for the rest of the match? you know, if he fouls in any way. Like, players should be allowed to contest a 50-50 ball or even a 40-60 ball and and if they do that now they're going to get a card and that's wrong in my opinion. The penalty is and always was a, f- a free which was generally a score and even, um, I think as in the the whole system of cards has brought a certain amount of cynicism and... Uh, unsporting behaviour uh, amongst players. There's fellas trying to get fellas carded now and when you talk about the incident you mentioned there there's fellas now are going to dive uh, in order to get a fella um, carded, a black card and sin binned you know, and I don't know what, if if a, a forward is going in with a ball for goal I don't know what, I played forward but I don't know what a back is supposed to do does he stand? If he stands in front of him, your man'll dive into him and and go down and get him. Uh, get him a around, or, get or get him free. Yeah, like it's up to my mind. It's up to the forward to find the gap, if he's gone through, and if he can't find the gap, he's got to lay it off to someone else. So uh, I think the whole it's the whole ritual of showing uh, like the most important. The most important people in the GA are the players. It's not Croke Park or committees or referees. The most important people are the players and they should be treated with respect. And I don't I I strongly um believe that a referee coming and waving a card in front of a player for a, a small misdemeanor or you know foul that was unintentional is, you know, in front of his family and fans and uh, everyone else. I think that's totally wrong. And, like, it's it's very simple. They've made it complicated. If you foul, it's a free against you and probably a score. If you hit a fella deliberately with a hurl, you're off. There's no need to show a card. You just take your name and you're gone. But this ritual, I... I'm strongly against
0: No, and you you make a a very fair point on it there Eddie it's a a fair point well made. one of the other things that you did say there was the freeze nowadays you know anything inside 100 yards it's probably straight Mm. over the bar Mm. Um, like you've obviously seen hurls you've seen balls you know you were a fine big strap of a man Um, (laughs) I've no doubt in Mm. my mind you were struggling from 100 yards of freeze
1: well I, I tell you it was a great thing to. Uh, I was talking to Pat Hartigan on yesterday from Limerick, and we're discussing this. And and uh, like, it was a big thing to score a seventy as it was at that time. You, you know, you needed a, a dry ball and <laughs> and uh, maybe a little wind with you. You know, but you know, it's, it's sort of it is totally different now. And uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of discussion about that. Um, I, I was um, I was I was listening to a discussion with Jack Nicholas. About the golf ball travelling now 400 and whatever yards. And there was a big discussion about, you know, they're going to have to extend the golf courses. And he was listening to this going wrong, you know, and uh, extend. And he said, extend the golf courses. That would cost billions to extend golf courses. And he says, very simple. Just deal with the ball and don't let it travel as far. And the same thing with hurling, you know. Uh, you can uh, they're not going to be able to extend the the pitches uh, to cope with that so you've got to deal with the the slitter and and make sure that that doesn't travel the sort of 100 yards
0: Yeah but if you like (coughs) I I had this discussion a couple of weeks ago and I was told the ball weighs the same but Mm. the problem is the grooves on the ball are shaved down now to nearly like a tennis ball Yeah So and then like are the players more conditioned now than they were when you were playing are uh, they, that, are they yeah, as well that,
1: that is an aspect too I mean they are obviously fitter than we were with all the sports science and everything they are um, you know uh, and uh, you know the hurdles are different you know they're they're everything is different like in every game everything progresses someone comes up with a new idea and it <coughs> works so like the the hurdles are, are different they're like we used to play with uh, 36 37 inch hurdles. now they're probably 33, 34 they're playing with and wider boss you know a big boss that you can uh, so um, there's, there is the, there's the slitter as you said with the rims and then the players are probably fitter and better equipment you know so that that's all contributing to the distance the ball has been driven And is
0: it a simple thing that the GEA could turn around and say look just add a pound of weight here to this ball?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure whether the way some the, some expert has to come up and whether they put back the rims or not, shave off the rims. But why or did they and, take them off? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. It, it, it's um, it, it's uh, uh, maybe just it to speed speed up the ball or whatever. I don't know, but it's certainly not suitable for for the. But it's, it, it
0: is like I laugh and I because I look at some of the rules when they come in and I'd read them. And the only reason I read them Is for comical value Like I I look at some of the rules That are made And I'm like You know Why why did this You know Who had that much time To have a conversation about um, One of the ones I got was If you're sent off In an All-Ireland final You're not allowed to partake In the celebrations After the game and I was like, if I get sent off in an All Ireland final with a minute to go and my team win, I'm running back out onto the field. And of course, my referee's you are. going to tell yeah. me to get off the field. Like I mean, yeah. twenty thousand people invading the pitch. It'd be, you know, it'd be, you know, it's. But it's just some of the things that are there. But mm. somebody obviously said we need to speed up the fastest field game in the world uh, to make it faster. And I, I, I don't know who these people are. It wasn't you, anyway. No, <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: I I don't want to appear to be critical. I mean, the game is fantastic uh, you know and the skill level is fantastic and everything like that but there is a problem with the distance the ball is travelling and I, I think there's a committee and of course our own Ned Quinn I think is uh, cheering that committee and they're obviously examining the whole thing and hopefully they'll come up with a, a good solution to it
0: No, Fingers crossed and that mm. brings us up to the, the very last thing I want to talk to you about is this weekend's two games we've two very exciting All-Ireland semi finals to look forward to um up first on Saturday is obviously Waterford against Limerick Um, fair to say that probably earlier in the year we would have written Waterford off and expected them to limp out of the championship Um, they've they've come back with a bit of fight
1: they sure have and they're a brilliant team Uh, like uh, Waterford are a great hurling county over the years and it's a shame in a way that uh, they haven't won an All-Ireland since the one we are talking about <laughs> yeah. early, 59 and they had so many great players you know in, to me in some great teams like you know the Paul Flins Ken McGrath and all those uh, uh, Tony Browns never won All-Ireland titles which is a pity now the present team is I think is a super team um, and you know of any team that have a chance of taking Limerick I think Waterford have now uh, they're they have a uh, I suppose an, an almost an embarrassment of good hurlers on the Waterford team. Uh, great, great for taking scores, and they can get sc- uh, goals and points. And I just hope that um, uh, you know maybe this is their year now. Of course, this is after Kilkenny. We'll talk about that. But um, they have a good chance of beating Limerick. But things have to go their way, and as. We said earlier, Eddie, you know, you have to get the breaks as well, whether it's from the referee or whatever, uh, and the f- things work out for you. But I think Waterford have a great chance of beating Limerick. Um, would
0: Would the fact that this is, because it's something you alluded to earlier, was how congested the season is, that you don't get a chance to look back at last week's game and say, what mm. a cracker that was. You're already mm. looking at this week's game. This is Waterford's, I think this is Waterford's fourth week in a row. It is, Yeah. Um, yeah. Is this something that you'd worry going into the last fifteen minutes of a match? That they're out week four in a row, where Limerick have to been sitting down watching TV for the last couple of weeks, enjoying. No,
1: yeah. you never know, and we don't know in our game either how that's going to work because uh, maybe they're on a roll, and and um, you know uh, it might take Limerick a bit longer to to go through the gears. You know, we don't know that how it'll affect them, but. Um, uh, they didn't show any signs, uh, you know, in the in the the last two games, Waterford of of fatigue and fa- all just... fatigue in the end of the match, you know. So, uh, like, I hope they 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 can keep it up for one more match, and anyway.
0: And so, head head says Limerick hearts hope
1: Waterford. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now two great teams. Limerick are fantastic team, uh, some great horrors, but uh, do you know I have a special draw for Waterford,
0: and then. Sunday obviously a game that you'll be focusing you'll be getting your full attention I'm sure but uh, the yeah. Cork Cork against Kilkenny um, you know Cork both teams have beaten Dublin Kilkenny obviously beat Dublin in the Leinster final I know it's very hard to try and judge oh we beat them by mm-hmm. that and they beat them by this but looking at the two games you know what would your take be I mean looking at Cork against Dublin last week would you be fearful of Carker
1: you uh, you'd have to chance? be i think they're I think Cork are very good i mean they've they've been in the doldrums for for for, for cark for too long you know they, they I think it took them a long time to recover from that strike so many years ago um and uh, but I think they're back now in a big way, and their are underage teams like minors and under under twenties as it is now um, uh, they seem to have been doing great work at underage level and a lot of those now are coming into this Cork team and they are playing great hurling great speed and which we will have to counteract obviously you know like um, they uh, wants to get the ball their, their focus is on getting goals and we just hope that our particular half back line will be able to stop the runs early on and you know the full back line will be able to defend uh, from the speedy forwards you know but um, it'll be uh, like, we don't know, Kilkenny have been developing very well over this season and I think we're all very pleased at the way they develop But I, I, I think we're still not sure what team is going to be out and and who's the best in each position. But I'll just be, finally, i I'd, I'd just be hopeful that this year we might be uh, able to, uh, beat Cork. I think Cork may be the team for the for this decade. Like I think over the next couple of years, Cork may be taken over from Limerick. But like I'd be hoping that this year that we might uh, pull one across them.
0: And Patrick Horgan um, as a player, is he is he as good as oh, there ever?
1: Ah, he's, oh, he's super, super player. Yeah, uh, God, I mean his skill level is extraordinary. Um, but. Uh, you know, he'll obviously have to be marked tight, but then he can't be fouled either. He's brilliant at the freeze, and, you know, so they'll just have to be hurled. He'll just, and I'm sure uh, the Kilkenny defence, wh- wh- whoever he'll be playing on, whether it's Hugh Lawler or Tommy Welsh or Paddy Deegan, I'm not sure. But they'll just have to be well prepared to keep right with him.
0: And at the other end of the field, we've uh, we've we've a lad in Kilkenny that's <laughs> not too bad either. In TJ Reid, TJ, some
1: hurler. God, is a, is a joy to watch, isn't he? Um, and um, I think he's getting more support now from the players around him. You know, and his work rate is phenomenal. Uh, and you know, it's nice. I always feel it's nice to have a, a good few shamrocks lads on that team because they know how to play well together. And the other guys, are they're all working well together and their, their work rate is phenomenal. So I'd be just hopeful that... Um, that that work rate and the skill level that's in the forwards will get us enough scores uh, to, and to back up TJ as well, of course. And before
0: before I let you off 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 the hook now, every 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 man that sits where you're sitting today gets gets collared with it at the very end, and that's where we asked them who who's who is the greatest. Um, you know that which eyes from the day you started watching hurling matches to today. If you had to name the one player that you feel is the the ultimate player the, the the whole the whole shebang who who is that player
1: oh god it's very hard uh, like and it, uh, of course as always as I've said so many times very hard to compare old oh, ears yeah. with ears but like er, I think we'll confine it to you know the most the two thousands I suppose uh, you know and like I mean the people the the players we had you know from Tommy Welsh JJ Delaney um, D J, Henry, and uh, and T J now at the moment, very hard to separate them. But um, you know, I suppose the only way you can set- separate them is their record they had, and and Henry has holding all the records at the moment. So I suppose you'd have to give it to Henry. But I have huge admi- admiration for all the players, but particularly the ones I mentioned.
0: No. Eddie, it's been an absolute pleasure and, and thank you for being so kind with your with your time this evening. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed our chat. Um, I, I really hope you enjoy the two games this the weekend, particularly Sunday's game. Um, I'm hoping we'll all be able to enjoy it. But, I hope so. But thanks a million for popping in and having a chat with us tonight. Pleasure, Eddie. That is, of course, Eddie Kerr, uh, former Kilkenny, current Kilkenny hurler legend, of course, but a retired Kilkenny hurler and I'm sure Eddie will be tuning in to KCLR on Sunday to listen to the Kilkenny versus Cork game. Hello, Martin here from Morrissey Motors Peugeot Kilkenny. We have the full range of environmentally friendly award-winning vehicles
2: in petrol, diesel, hybrid and electric. Our 208, 3008 and 508 have all won car of the year. Our 508 seven-seater has won SUV of the year
0: and not forgetting Ireland's best-selling commercial, the award-winning partner van.
1: That's five in a row, Martin. It is, Brian. That's impressive. Contact the lads in Morrissey Motors, Waterford Old Kilkenny today.